Welcome back, everyone, to episode 23. Taylor wants to call this season two, but I don't know. Taylor, we missed everybody. Say hi to everybody. Hey! Alright, everybody. So, obviously, we've been gone for a while. Um, the pandemic has kind of set things back, you know, in the sports world, but we're here and we're going to talk about things today. All right. But first, before we talk about things today, Taylor, you know what we have to do? Uh, well, we definitely need to remind everybody about our Twitter account. Exactly. Because that thing was popping off during the draft. Seriously, if you didn't follow our Twitter during the draft, you missed out because I was live tweeting the draft and I have to say it was some of my best tweeting I've ever done in my life. So remember, you guys have to go to the Gridirons and Goal Lines podcast Twitter, and that's at G-G-O-A-L-L-I-N-E-S. I said that because we all know Taylor can't say it without fumbling over his words. And then also, thanks to Taylor. Taylor, where else can you check us out right now? Um, soon, you'll, starting with this episode, you should be able to find us on YouTube. Yes. And also, uh, hope lots of other places. We should have a more detailed list starting next episode. But we should be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a bunch of other places. Yeah, and really that's all thanks to Anchor. Uh, we will be going more into Anchor in the coming weeks. But pretty much everyone, now we're everywhere. And I uh, want to thank Taylor for putting in the hard work to get us up you know, up and running on YouTube here shortly because we know that's going to be really uh, helpful for people. So, all right, we talked about, we plugged. Now let's go. We're plugging and we're going. What are we going to expect today, okay? Because you're probably wondering, Angelo Taylor, I want all the information I can right now on free agency and draft. Listen, we want to give it to you. But here's the deal, okay? You guys all know that Taylor and I could easily talk about every one of these teams and their free agency and their draft and their offseason for at least 30 minutes, if not longer. And that's just per team. So we are going to plan ahead for those. So what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about the big stories since the Super Bowl, okay? This is going to allow us to not spend as much time on certain players and teams in the coming weeks because, you know, we're going to be doing episodes where we talk about individual teams uh, and their offseason so far. But those are going to be long episodes, okay? I, I was doing the calculations. I'm, I'm looking somewhere between, like, 12 to 16 hours of content that's going to be coming out over the course of the next several weeks, couple months leading up to the season. So essentially what we're looking at here is some big-name stuff that way we don't have to talk about. Like, when we talk about the NFC South, we don't have to talk about Tom Brady for 25 minutes because we already did it today. Right, Taylor? Yeah, and, uh, you know, those of you who were with us last season know that we typically had a, you know, we would upload strictly on Wednesday night, Thursday morning sort of thing once a week. Uh, With some of these sort of breakdown episodes that we'll be doing in the coming months, you know, you might get two or three episodes in a week. That's our goal, yeah. uh, If only there was, you know, some place where you could find out all of the relevant information, like the Twitter account. The Twitter count. That's exactly where I was going to, that's, that's where I was going with it. Yeah. But seriously, uh, we're looking to crank out some episodes in the coming weeks. And if you guys want to stay up to date on things and you want to be in the conversation, you got to know when we release stuff. Okay. So you got to follow us on Twitter to know. Okay. And tell your friends as well, because you're about to get some of the hottest takes of the off season here at Gridirons and Gold Lines. Okay. So we're also, uh, of course, the biggest thing that I'm looking forward to talking about is I tasked Taylor I call it Taylor time today with talking about the new CBA deal. This maybe should have been its own episode. I've got, there's a lot (laughs) to this thing. Essentially, I didn't want to look up all the stuff, so I made Taylor do it. Yeah, uh, 
Angelo just wanted to know about the new CBA and figured you guys could listen along when I tell him everything. Yeah, pretty much. I didn't want to keep hearing people scream about it on ESPN, so I decided I'll make Taylor look up all the information for me. So, and then I wanted to finish off with some lighthearted stuff. You know, Taylor says it's going to be a first three-hour episode. He's probably right. Uh, <laughs> so, but we're going to finish off with a couple official reviews. You guys will remember that as our listing segment, and uh, then we're going to wrap up and get ready for the rest of the offseason. So, we're going to this is press release kind of, I mean, really kind of the holdings press release, but not really, but just kind of throw away our old template for now. Cause it's, it's off season, baby. All right, Taylor, after what seemed like an eternity, the goat is now in Tampa Bay. Tom Brady dragged out his free agency process. And now the NFC South is shaping up to be something pretty incredible. I want to discuss how we feel about this entire process. I have several questions. My first question is first, do we even agree or like the Tampa Bay landing spot? I think it's fine. Uh, I mean, for John Brady especially, I think it's pretty good, and I think it's good for Tampa Bay. They have the weapons. They have a decent and improving offensive line. They had a top-five defense last year. Like, all they were missing was a quarterback to not throw 30 interceptions a year. Yeah. Tom Brady's going to go in. He's not, you know, what he was 10 years ago. Fine, whatever. But he's still Tom Brady. He's still a, a natural leader. Even if he's not like an MVP this season, he's still going to be what the team needs him to be. Yeah, I would kind of agree with that as well. I I felt pretty weird about the landing spot at first because at first it was kind of like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Are you serious? But then I kind of remembered how much of a storied franchise the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are. And they're actually not like the gimmick that they, they aren't supposed to be the gimmick that they are is I guess what I'm trying to say. And, you know, they're a pretty, you know, storied franchise. And I kind of made sense once I started thinking about it. Cause at first I wasn't happy about it. I'll be totally honest. I thought this was, I thought this was a stupid move and we're going to go into why here in a second. Yeah, the, uh, the weirdest thing about it for me is that like Tom Brady has always felt so corporate. Like if he could play football in a suit, he would. And yeah. now he's wearing a pirate flag on him. Exactly. It's just weird. Oh, also everyone, just in case you, just in case you hear some weird feedbacks and stuff, we are uh, actually podcasting remotely right now. Uh, So this is really new to us. And as I'm sure you've experienced with a lot of podcasts you're listening to, it's going to sound a little odd and we might be a little uncomfortable at times, but uh, just, just in case, because I did forget to mention that in the beginning. So let's move on to the next question. So Taylor, were there teams that we feel should have landed Tom more than Tampa? Okay, so at some point on the podcast this offseason, I had to rant about this. <laughs> so let's this do it is now. The time. Okay, so here's the thing. The Colts, as we'll talk about later, acquired Phillip Rivers as a free agent in the offseason, which is cool, I guess, and great. But like they said explicitly that they had no interest in Tom Brady. And Tom Brady, after he signed with Tampa Bay, said that the Colts was one of the teams that he was looking in. I'm, I can accept the Colts not wanting to even consider Tom Brady. But in what world is Tom Brady not at all the quarterback that you want, but Phillip Rivers is? I don't get it. So It doesn't yeah. make sense. I'm fine, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with the Colts getting Rivers. I'm fine with them not wanting Tom Brady. But I don't think you can have both. So I think I think the reason why I'm kind of so I get what you're saying. Um, like let's let's take a look at Indianapolis, who uh, we're going to talk about a little later. I think is in a win now scenario, just like Tampa Bay is. Okay, so you have the Indianapolis Colts. Let's take a look at their fan base, and I think honestly this plays a really big role into it. 
you can't be the Indianapolis Colts and go get Tom Brady, I think, for your fan base. That upsets them too much. Just like I think that teams draft out of local colleges for their fan base. Like, again, the, the Indianapolis Colts. They go out and they draft Danny Pinter late in the draft out of Ball State University, a guy that no one's going to pick up except for the Indianapolis Colts. You know what I mean? So, so I, when I, you look I at fan did. bases, I, I think that's why Tom Brady isn't right now an Indianapolis Colt. Okay, but here's two things about that. One, though not as bad, uh, the Colts fandom has a history of hating Philip Rivers because uh, That's of his true. attitude and trash-talking. And two, uh, as a Colts fanboy, I can promise you we would forgive him if he brought us a ring. <laughs> That's probably fair. So I definitely thought that um, there were other teams that should have landed Tom uh, more I, I felt that Indianapolis made sense. Um, Tennessee was actually a spot that I felt like made sense because of all the Patriots personnel that's been flocking over there. I also thought the Chargers. Really, I really I think you had to think it was going to be a coast team. You know, Carolina, a Tampa Bay, a um, uh, who, the, the L.A. Chargers. I think that you pretty much had to recognize that. The appeal of the Vegas Raiders was there for sure. But I don't think that was ever super likely. Yeah. Um, um, as for the Chargers, I don't think, you know, obviously I'm not in the mind of Tom Brady, but they um, don't have a good offensive line. And I think that's yeah. one of, like, he wanted weapons, which is a lot of why, supposedly, he left New England. But I, even if he had weapons, I don't think he was going to go to a place without an offensive line. Which is part of yeah. why Indianapolis made so much sense. They could use some better weapons, which they kind of got, but their offensive line is crazy good. Yeah, I think that's a fair choice. I mean, and it's so funny because in retrospect, really, when you look at things, Tampa Bay surprisingly makes a lot of sense, which is frustrating. Uh, I think it does really start with Bruce Arians being there as well. Mm-hmm. If there's another coach. So really, okay. Before Mike McCarthy became the coach of the Dallas Cowboys, if I'm Tom Brady, I'm looking at the teams and their coaches. I like Bruce Arians the most right now, probably, of teams that likely want me. Right. You know, I'm not going to go to Chicago where Coach Nagy can ruin my career. You know, I'm not going to go to the Jets where Adam Gase isn't going to care about what I do. Uh, you know, but going to like the Cowboys made actually a lot of sense because I remember that was actually a landing spot, especially after Mike McCarthy got there. That would have been super cool. But you know, this whole thing with Dak and everything, you know, I think really what was happening for a while is that uh, analysts were getting very bored because they were at home without sports and they started saying crazy things. But honestly, Dallas started to make a little bit of sense to me until I realized that that was just kind of silly. I'm not sure I agree with you with your statement about Nagy ruining his career. I think Nagy's that bad of a coach. I think the Bears are ruining Nagy's career. Oh my gosh, I think I might disagree. That's another topic wow. for another day. Can't okay, wait till we get to that division. Yes, can't wait. So, uh, is so is Tampa Bay in more of a win now mode? Is there a lack of? And here's my deal: should there be a lack of concern for longevity? Um, should that be something that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers should be looking at more closely here? Because right now I think they're in a win now. I don't think this is a team that's going to win championship in three and four and five years. It's either going to win one this year or next year. And that's it. Yeah. Uh, they definitely, they, they do have some uh, longevity on their team. A lot of young players, but they have currently no backup planet quarterback. Yeah. It's exactly. Tom Brady or bust. Yeah. And I think that that kind of just says a lot about what they're doing. Also, what says a lot about what they're doing, let's talk about Rob Gonkowski coming back. Does this say more about Rob? Does this say more about Tom? Or does this say more about the New England Patriots? 
Um, I think it maybe says more about Gronk. That's interesting. That's interesting. Uh, why so? So, Gronk retired mostly due to injuries and stuff, but he's willing to come back now. Um, he also has made statements about, like, you know, the culture of the Patriots and it not being fun, which is fair. You know, other players have said that kind of stuff in the past, but the Patriots were a winning team. If you wanted to win, that was the spot to be, as proven by their hands now weighing eight pounds more. You know, like, <laughs> right. He was willing to retire, and then, sure, he comes back, and the Buccaneers have a decent shot to win here, but, I mean, he gave up on the Patriots because it was too much work. I think that, although I, I do think that it, it says a lot about Gronk himself, I think this actually says a lot about Tom Brady and the connection that Tom Brady somehow built with this frat boy out of Arizona who came and played a few seasons for the New England Patriots. You know what I mean? Like, like their personalities can't be any different, honestly. But here's Tom Brady who takes Rob Gronkowski under his wing, leads him to multiple Super Bowls, and then says, hey, I know you're retired, but I'm going to go down and play some football in Tampa Bay, Florida. Do you want to come hang out for a couple seasons, or assumably a couple seasons? And Gronk says, yeah, I'm in. I'm tired of my, my celebrity life. I think it says a lot about the persuasion that Tom Brady has over the players he's built relationships with. I also think it probably actually says a lot about the Buccaneers and, the, and, and their win-now mode, which is what I kind of led into that for. Right. Uh, will the most popular storyline this year be the Tampa Bay season or the New England season? Which one's more important? Which uh, you know, which which of these teams have the most to prove? Uh, definitely the, the Patriots have the most to prove because there's been the age-long discussion is it Brady or is it Belichick? Belichick was not successful before Tom Brady. He wasn't successful yeah, in New England before Tom Brady. You know, he wasn't successful through Bledsoe, and he wasn't successful in Cleveland. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, if Brady goes and wins a Super Bowl at Tampa Bay and the Patriots miss the playoffs, you know, that, that says a lot. I also think that – so I think that this is – I grieve literally everything what you just said about the about the Patriots season. I do think that the that the more important thing here will be Tampa Bay because I think that right now what Tampa Bay is doing is they're trying to prove that Tom Brady can play outside of New England. And I think that question is asked just as much as is it Tom or is it is it Bill? Is can Tom Brady do this somewhere else? Can Tom Brady be Peyton Manning? Is yeah, essentially, I, mean, I, think, I think that's kind of a similar question. Uh, I think so, but I think I think, it's, I think it's ever so different, though. Because like, when, just when, slightly. when Peyton Manning was in Indianapolis, nobody was like, oh, is it Peyton or is it his coach? Everyone was like, it's Peyton Manning. Right. But, you know, you have the, the Brady-Belichick question. Um, I'm excited to see that question develop yes. over the season. And I, th- I think that, man, it sucks because something like – Really crazy things could happen this NFL season, but people are pretty much just going to be paying attention to the Patriots and the Buccaneers, and understandably so, I think. Um, now, I had to ask this question. This question isn't that important, but I had to ask it because I'm a big Mike Evans fan, as Taylor knows. So is this how Mike Evans becomes a Hall of Fame caliber wide receiver? He's got 90 games, 462 receptions, over 7,000 yards, 48 touchdowns. He's a three-times pro bowler, and he's had over 1,000 yards in six in all six seasons with over 15 yards per reception. And this is with Josh McCown, 
Mike Glennon, Jameis Winston, and Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing to him. Yeah, uh, it certainly could be, especially uh, if Tampa Bay wins the Super Bowl and Mike Evans is a significant part of it, I think he makes the Hall of Fame just off of that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a huge Mike Evans fan. I couldn't even tell you why, really. It just kind of happened slowly. But that was actually the first thing I thought about was how excited I was for Mike Evans and how excited Mike Evans should be to be in the situation that he's going to get Tom Brady to throw to him now. And then um, I kind of like this question because I, I remember this team so well, but are we having flashbacks to Bruce Arians acquiring an aging Carson Wilson or Carson Palmer, sorry, Carson Palmer and blasting to the playoffs in 2015 with the Arizona Cardinals team? Not really. Okay. I mean, um, I understand that Carson Palmer and Tom Brady are much different players at that time, but... Right. Plus, like, Tom Brady probably only has two years left. I realize we've been saying this for eight years, but... <laughs> Carson Palmer went to Arizona in 2013 with Bruce Arians. Yeah. And they went 10-6 that season, but didn't make the playoffs. And then the next season, Carson Palmer was hurt and only played six games. But, I mean, Tom Brady... Three years from now with Bruce Arians making a playoff run doesn't seem likely. That's interesting. I think that the prospect of Bruce Arians being with a good quarterback is really exciting. I don't know. I, I'm i excited for it. I, you and I both are big Bruce Arians fans, I yes, think. So sure. uh, I, I'm just happy that he has got his guy. All right. We're done with Tom Brady. Let's move on. Let's move on to Philip Rivers. <laughs> What's downgrade to Philip Rivers? So obviously we all know Philip Rivers went on the move to Indianapolis and was Rivers the second choice for Indy? And I'm not talking really about Tom Brady here. Um, when you look at the Indianapolis Colts and they have a field of quarterbacks in the draft, they have a field of quarterbacks in free agency. I'm thinking of one particular guy right now, uh, but really was Rivers the second choice for Indy? So I, I've kind of already gotten into what the Colts should have been looking at. Uh, but Philip Rivers is only the second choice for Indy in the sense that we desperately miss Andrew Luck. Right. Uh, by all counts, Philip Rivers was the quarterback they were looking at. Interesting. Uh, similarly, apparently, as much as I loved the idea of Jordan Love or maybe even trading up for one of the the earlier quarterbacks, uh, apparently the, the Colts, uh, you know, Frank Reich and Chris Ballard, were only ever interested in one quarterback in the draft. And they got and, him. And they got him. So I guess that will come later in our Colts episode, but I cannot wait to kind of delve into that. So I, I would say I understand that Rivers is, is the guy there. I get it. I think Rivers should have been the second choice is kind of what I'm getting at here. I think the first choice really is I think that when I look at the Colts, when I look at their very good offensive line and I look at their very fast offense and their young offense, nothing screams that more to me than Cam Newton. So I was definitely interested in the idea of Cam going to Indy. I think the main uh, concern for Indianapolis is that nobody's very convinced in Cam Newton's longevity at this point, uh, which we're going to talk about Cam a bit more later. But yeah. if your idea is to get a quarterback for one, maybe two years, uh, they signed Philip Rivers to a one-year deal to help coach up this quarterback you're drafting in the fourth round, would you rather have Philip Rivers or Cam Newton? I think the answer is Philip Rivers, especially Oof. given the kind yeah. of quarterback that Jacob Eason is. That's a hot take. That is a that that's definitely yeah. I can see that. Uh, for one thing, it's just an attitude thing, like. 
Philip Rivers is about ready to be done in the league of his own accord, he'll have no problems training up a young guy. Cam Newton doesn't want to go to a team for the sole purpose of training his replacement. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a good point. Um, looking at you, Packers. <laughs> Uh, here, here's here's kind of a question that I just made to kind of poke you, Taylor. So, are the are the Colts in a win now situation with Rivers, or is this just a veiled attempt to give hope to the fans of a win now season? Honestly, I think it's a little bit of both. Like I said, I I wasn't super thrilled with the Jacob Eason pick, but Chris Ballard has been fantastic at picking uh, draft prospects since he got there, and Jacob Eason is the guy that he wanted. Uh, the thing about Philip Rivers, I was not happy about Philip Rivers going to the Colts. I wasn't happy when they were talking about Philip Rivers going to the Colts. Last year, Philip <laughs> Rivers was abysmal. But two seasons ago, Philip Rivers was an MVP candidate. Yeah, that's true. We forget. I, I forgot about that. Yeah. Last season was bad, but he had a bad offensive line, and he was probably already checked out because he knew he wasn't going to be in uh, L.A. anymore. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's a good point, I guess. So, so he it, could come to the Colts behind this fantastic offensive line with a good run game and some young, fast weapons and have a great season again. Yeah, I think outside the offensive line, too, he's going to a team that he he's going to a a, a type of offense that's very similar to what he's used to, especially yeah, I mean, with the around he's him. He's worked with Frank Reich specifically before. Right. And, and well, I'm just talking about the personnel, really. The personnel right. of the Colts, other than the offensive line, really matched that offense with the Chargers, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, just just probably a little better. Um, now, so to wrap up on Phil Rivers, is this is this move better for Indy or for Phil Rivers? Honestly. It's, this is such a tough question, I think, because I think that this this is a career-defining moment for Phil Rivers. Again, okay. I didn't like the pick a, a few weeks ago. Right. And I also wasn't thrilled with the idea of the Colts getting Jacob Eason. Mm-hmm. But in the world where Jacob Eason is the guy that the Colts want and want to develop for the future, then I think Philip Rivers, outside of Tom Brady, is the correct choice for the Colts. So I think it's a win for both of them. Maybe a bit better for Philip Rivers. Um, but yeah. I, I think both of them did well here. Yeah, I, I think that uh, depending on how how well Rivers – if Rivers goes out and wins 12 games, I think it's better for Rivers than it was for Indy. I think no matter what, Indy probably did what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I think that the more you talk, the more I kind of agree that uh, this is mostly a training pick right. for, for Indy to, to, to develop for the future, which is a weird thing to say with Phil Rivers when you're paying him, what, $25 million this That's year? That's actually really low for quarterbacks these days. That's fair enough. Okay, so we've talked about some of the bigger ones. So now what we're going to move into here is I, I have it here is just off-season hot topics or what we wanted to talk about. <laughs> so we're going to we're going to address some of the more pressing topics that formed from this off-season. Uh, we'll be answering these questions so we don't have to go into depth with them about the associated teams uh, once our you know division reviews come out again. So these are questions that you're going to wonder. Well, I want well. What about the team? You know, what about this? Well, this is literally so we don't have to go into it because, mm-hmm. again, we will spend forever on these division reviews. I promise you they will be as detailed as possible. So my first question is, and we're filming this as of May 5th right now, Cinco de Mayo. Why is Cam Newton not on a team yet? Uh, I've, got a, I've got a short answer and a longer in-depth answer. 
Okay, give me the short answer. He has an injury history, he's not very good anymore, and he has a terrible attitude. So, okay. (laughs) Give me your long answer. So basically, uh, in this day and age in the NFL, quarterbacks that you draft work. Like, most quarterbacks that get drafted in the first two rounds are not duds anymore. They're not all, you know, Peyton Manning, but... If you look at the quarterbacks drafted, like, in the last several years, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember who got cut for, who was playing at Denver before uh, Drew Locke. Paxton Lynch. Yeah, Paxton Lynch. He's, like, the only dud in the last three years. Yeah, I would say, I would say other than Paxton Lynch and Will Greer from last year, because Will Greer, people forget, Will Greer was an early second round pick for the Panthers last year. Yeah, but But, I think, I don't think he was an early second round talent. I think they just... True, but but I was just going in line yeah, with what you're no, saying you're, about you're early right. cor- yep. early quarterbacks. But I th- I think really other than Paxton Lynch and Will Greer, you're oh, and then of course Josh Rosen. Yeah, but I'm not even sure how much that was Josh Rosen's fault. You know, he's been with no. You're and, right. Yeah, we we didn't really right. get to see if he was good or not. They gave up on like he went to a bad team and they gave up on him after one year. Um, yeah. But so even if you want to count him like three quarterbacks in three years or whatever, even like Lamar Jackson wasn't supposed to work. He's working. Josh Allen was supposed to be rough around the edges, came into the league right away. He's working. You know, Baker Mayfield's mostly working. I, I think a lot of that's problems with the team around him. Right. Like I, I guess I'm just looking at Cam Newton. I'm looking at the teams that play in the style. Like, I don't know. I, I'm thinking that if you're, man, like if you're Ron Rivera, which you've already made the mistake, I think of getting Kyle Allen, but why didn't you go out and try to get Cam Newton and work with Dwayne Haskins and Cam Newton with it, it, as your quarterbacks? You know what I mean? Because, sure, like you said, maybe Cam's not into developing a guy, but Cam also gets hurt. And when I'm looking at Cam Newton and Dwayne Haskins, I don't see much of a difference. And so you probably will keep that health there, I think. But I just I think that Cam Newton – I understand that he's not as good as he once was, but I think Cam Newton is too good to not be on an NFL team right now. That I may be that, true, I, but I, I, I think Dolphins make a lot of sense for him too. I think probably teams have shown interest. Uh, you say he's too good to not be on a team, but I don't. I think most of the starters in the league are as good or better than him, and I think most of them that are as good are cheaper. And I, I feel like some teams have made some calls to Cam Newton, and he's just decided he doesn't want to. You know, maybe they're not offering him enough money, or right. he doesn't want to play second fiddle. I think maybe he's holding out to try to be a starter somewhere, you know, just sit as a free agent. And then one of these teams that's banking on someone else maybe loses their quarterback halfway through the season. Like, all right, let's pick up Cam Newton. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm also very surprised that he's not at, in another team right now, but I also get it. I think I'm, I think I'm just surprised that like, I'm looking at Chicago and Jacksonville two teams that I think Cam Newton becomes the best quarterback on either one of those teams, and I guess I'm just wondering why he isn't there yet. So I I can explain kind of both of them. So okay. Chicago went for Nick Foles. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So basically they just looked at Nick Foles, looked at Cam Newton, decided on Nick Foles. Which is so interesting, I think, because what have we said about Nick Foles? Nick Foles is good when you have a championship-caliber team around him. So when I'm looking at Nick Foles and Cam Newton, which you could probably say the same thing about Cam Newton, 
athletic ability, Cam Newton skyrockets away from Nick Foles in that situation. Yeah, but I think Nick Foles is a better leader, and maybe that's what Chicago thinks they need on offense. Quite possibly. What's your What's your reasoning for Jacksonville? Uh, it's It's kind of a twofold thing here. Um, so one, I don't think Jacksonville as an organization is buying into Minshew mania, but uh, no, the, sadly, the, the sadly, fan, they're not. <laughs> the fan base proved last year that they are. Um, so I think they're planning on riding Minshew mania for a year until they inevitably finish last in the league and draft Trevor Lawrence. Oh, so sad. So sad. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. And I also just read uh, a day or two ago that Cam Newton is not interested in being a backup anywhere. So I I guess I just – I like Cam Newton. I think Cam Newton, when he plays well, is very good for the league. And I just don't want to see the end of Cam Newton yet. I, I agree with that sentiment. I always want to see the best players playing because it makes the league better. But I don't think he's been very good. And I think his attitude is bad, which makes him less worth the risk. Fair enough. All right, let's move on uh, to taking a risk, and that is should Deshaun Watson get out of Houston, like do anything he can right now to get out of out of Houston and away from Bill O'Brien because I think Bill O'Brien's trying to do everything he can to kill Deshaun Watson. Yeah, so I think – Kill his career is what I'm meaning. I, I, I think the answer is both yes and no. I think Houston is good for Deshaun Watson – um, but I think he needs to threaten to leave until Houston gets rid of Bill O'Brien. Yeah, which is in- which ugh, such an interesting dynamic. Essentially, yeah, I mean, I think that right now, I think Houston is uh, just, as far as a personnel team goes, one of the worst teams right now in the league because of what's happened over this offseason. Uh, you know, with the trade and sending away DeAndre Hopkins, uh, not getting very good value from it, not getting good value out of your picks from the last two mm-hmm. seasons of trades you've been making. I, I personally think that the that the pickup of David Johnson is really great. Sure. I think I think Houston's gonna be great for David Johnson. But when I'm looking at this team and I'm reading almost it seems like daily these things coming out from DeAndre Hopkins about his relationship with Bill O'Brien and and the sentiments that are being expressed as well from from Deshaun Watson and from other players. I just can't help but think, man, Deshaun Watson better get out of there before he becomes a mediocre quarterback. Do you happen to know when Deshaun Watson's contract is up? Uh, it should be. I think he has to go into talks this year. Okay, because I don't know about Houston trading him. Um, you know, they'd probably try to get a sixth or seventh rounder out of him. Uh, <laughs> but Sorry, that was funny. Is, if Deshaun Watson gets to the point where he can choose to walk. Yeah. I'll yeah, him. so Deshaun is a, is a 20. You, historically, you're not high on Deshaun Watson, but I'll take him. Yeah, I bet. So Deshaun Watson... Uh, was a 2017 rookie as I yeah so he's on the end of his four-year contract so he's supposed to be going to ex- uh, extension talks this year there's another guy going to extension talks this year too over in Kansas City that I cannot wait to see what happens with that anyway Ooh. we're not we're not talking about it we're talking <laughs> now about Taylor's Philadelphia Eagles <laughs> why well, what do you is know about them? I want to know why Jalen Hurts is an eagle um, and why the eagle and so Okay, yeah. Just tell me, tell me why Jalen Hurts is an eagle. Okay, so it's. I I want to clarify that as I justify the Eagles taking Jalen Hurts, I still think it's a weird pick. But here's here's my here's my reasoning. First of all, okay. 
Uh, there has been talk that they're going to use him as a running back. Oh, that's not really... Okay, I don't like it. Um, second, even if he's not being used solely as a running back, uh, there's a lot of plans of using him as like a Taysom Hill type. Right. You know, if you can use him as a running back, then you've got to expect him to be able to catch the ball. Well, so now maybe he goes in as a wide receiver, or, you know, he goes in on trick plays. You know, he can definitely throw the ball. He was a quarterback. So if they're just using him as, you know, like a backup quarterback slash versatile everyman, if he works out at that, then I think it was a good use of the pick. If he doesn't, you know, this is one of those, you know, picks that three years from now, Either we're still going to be laughing at the Eagles about it, or they're we're just going to look at like the Eagles like they have the biggest brains in the league. Yeah, it's it's weird, right? Because you because I see it by two. I see it now. What you're saying, I also see it as in the last three seasons, the Eagles have gone to the playoffs, and Carson Wentz has become hurt. Mm-hmm. So I'm seeing it as maybe they think that this is the guy who can get them over the edge in those wild card games that they're inevitably going to be in. Or, but also I'm, I kind of agree with you about you know splashing him around because I I have said this and I'll say it again: the NFC East is the most boring division in football. <laughs> and if this is the one thing that that makes it a bit spicy, I guess I'm okay with it. All right, speaking of things that are a bit spicy, (laughs) is Aaron Rodgers just going to have to follow in the footsteps of Brett Favre? Um, I want to backtrack for just a second. Okay. Uh, So, Angelo and I, for this this podcast, have, you know, like a little uh, guide that we follow to help us, you know, keep all of our, our talking points in check, right? And we'd have that in a Google Doc. And despite the fact that I prepared a little segment on it, I just sat here and watched Angelo delete, well, why didn't the <laughs> Eagles get any wide receivers? So, because you, expl- you, ex- you explained this to me, and even though I think it's not the best explanation, I went ahead and conceded to you. Okay, well then, if you don't think it's the best explanation, you can hear this prepared one that I have. Oh my goodness. All right. So let's talk about the uh, Eagles' problems with wide receivers last year. Uh, how many good wide receivers did they have? Was it zero? It was <laughs> after they all broke their legs. But now, they're going to have Alshon Jeffrey back. They're going to have Deshaun Jackson back. They acquired Marquise Goodwin. They drafted a wide receiver in the first round. And then they drafted uh, John Hightower from Boise State in the fifth. Who you know, it's a fifth rounder, sure. And going along with that, they drafted another wide receiver in the sixth. And the, the sixth round pick, Quez Watkins out of Southern Mississippi, is one of those lottery picks because even though he dropped to the sixth round because he wasn't particularly impressive, he did at the combine have the second fastest forty time amongst wide receivers. So he could work out and be good. So. Sorry, I just woke up. Are you still talking about the Eagles wide receiver core and how it's still going to be mediocre this year and Carson Wentz doesn't have anybody to throw to and they're going to go 7-9 to nine and win the division somehow? That's not what I was talking about, actually. Okay. But... So can, can we move on to Aaron Rodgers? Sure. <laughs> Thank you for your prepared statement on the Eagles wide receiver core, Taylor. Uh, on Taylor's Eagles. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers, Taylor. Is he, is, he, is he out in Green Bay in a year or two? Um, so... He's playing this year. 
well, unless he decides not to play, but contract-wise, like, Aaron Rodgers is staying in Green Bay this year. Yeah. And he's staying in Green Bay next year. Uh, Okay. Next year, because of the way Aaron Rodgers' contract is structured, if Green Bay got rid of him, he would be a $22 million cap hit. If they wait until two years from now, so not this season, not next season, the next season after that, Aaron Rodgers can leave without being traded at a cap hit of like $3 million. Hmm. So. This is a weird longevity decision then. But a lot of people who were really high on Jordan Love thought he needed to sit for at least two seasons. Hmm. So. Yeah, I can see it. I can see it. And here's the thing. Aaron Rodgers has expressed uh, a lot of dissatisfaction with Green Bay, right? So here's the thing. If he doesn't want to be in Green Bay, like I said, they're not getting rid of him this year. They're not getting rid of him next year. It's too expensive. They can't. They literally can't afford to. Right. So what's his best way out of Green Bay? Train up Jordan Love and make him his replacement. If they think Jordan Love's good... They'll let Aaron Rodgers walk three years from now, and he can go to another team. And we talk about him following in Favre's footsteps because the the same thing happened there. But it's very common these days for quarterbacks to finish their, um, their, their careers at another team. Like, Manning and Brady both did it. Yeah. Uh, it looks like Breeze is going to finish his career with the Saints, and his whole career's been with the Saints, but he didn't start there. You know, if you look at, like, the history... Going back to, like, since they started wearing real helmets instead of pieces of leather on their head, there's been, like, I think the number was, like, 26 Hall of Fame quarterbacks, and of those 26, like, 16 of them have finished their career with another team. Yeah. And that obviously doesn't include Brady and Manning, who aren't in the Hall of Fame yet. Right. So the number's just going up. It's very common, and there's nothing wrong with it. I don't think Aaron Rodgers should have been offended by Jordan Love. Well, I think that just says more about Aaron Rodgers, and 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 I think I've made my feelings very clear about Aaron Rodgers and how He's how much baby, of yeah. how, how much of a team player he is not, and that's fine that he can be upset about this Jordan Love pick. I just can't wait till Jordan Love is a good quarterback in the NFL and and maybe makes the Green Bay Packers tolerable for me. I just hope he doesn't learn too much from Aaron Rodgers because. Aaron Rodgers sat for a couple years behind Brett Favre, and then when he became a starter, he was really good. Uh, and now he's an overrated and whiny not team player, and I don't want that to be Jordan Love. Gosh, we could do a we could do a whole episode on how <laughs> overrated Aaron Rodgers is. Anyway, did Matt Rule and David Tepper take the correct approach in focusing solely on defense in this draft, considering everything that's happened in this division, considering? Matt Rule bringing in some veteran offensive weapons, considering everything David Tepper's done to revamp a Carolina Panthers team, do we think that they're doing it right with their offseason so far? I thought that this was a big enough of a topic that we needed to discuss it now. I think so. I think this is one of those questions that's going to be hard to answer without hindsight, but I, I think it's correct. Yeah, that's probably fair. It's it just I, I think that they're fighting a losing battle. 
I think that they are trying their darndest and good for them for trying. But I think David Tepper is sitting there thinking, well, I just bought this team a couple years ago. Now I need to turn into a championship team. Well, you can't do that now because now you got Drew Brees and Tom Brady. You're playing them four times a year. You can't do it now. So I think that unless this young defense is that good, which I don't think it's going to be that good, they're in a world of hurt as far as scoring points in this mm-hmm. division. Um, and then we kind of had we kind of had this uh, conversation, uh, but I kind of expanded on it with this question. So who is going to be more successful before the fifth year option? Is it going to be Joe Burrow? Is it going to be Justin Herbert? Or is it going to be Tua Tagovailoa? Easily Tua. Really? Yes. So Burrow's going, Burrow's going to an awful team. He's going to okay. have no help. Like, the Bengals not only are lacking in good players, they're just a mess of a franchise. Right. He's by himself. <laughs> uh, Herbert, so you said before the fifth-year option, so we're talking four years here. Yeah. How much of that is Herbert going to play? How much of how much is Justin Herbert going to play? Yeah. All of it. I mean, he, I mean, he, okay. Is he? Tyrod Taylor may play a little bit. Tyrod Taylor was kind of the Chargers plan before the draft. He has a winning record as a starter. And Anthony, and Anthony Lynn likes him from his time in Buffalo. If if Tyrod Taylor keeps winning, they're not going to take him out. But here's the deal, and I and I actually really like Tyrod Taylor. I love Tyrod Taylor, but I think that with Tyrod Taylor, you're going to find that around game six, he's going to start slumping, and by week eight or week nine, Justin Herbert's going to be the starting quarterback for the L.A. Chargers. And we kind of discussed um, in confidence how we talked about how we think Justin Herbert's going to have probably the best beginning of his career out of these guys because he has the best team around him right now. Yeah. And I and I think that's going to cause ripples of success within the Chargers organization. I I mostly agree with that, except I'm still not convinced that Justin Herbert will even start this year. That's so fascinating. Uh whereas Tua, there's a good chance that they just throw him in week one. Um and honestly, the Dolphins team overall uh looks to be better. And here's the other thing. Like the Chargers team Offensively, I'm sure, are better than the Dolphins, which helps Justin Herbert. But right. the division is so much more difficult than the Dolphins. Yeah, it I mean... crazy how much more difficult... Like, the Raiders are mediocre. I think the Broncos are a playoff team this year, and the Chiefs exist. <laughs> that they do. They do exist. I think that... Um... I don't know. I I think this is one of the more difficult questions. I'm thinking four years from now. I think that this I think I think that the Bengals, no matter what, is they're gonna they're gonna stick with Burrow. You know what I mean? I think that Burrow's gonna be quarterback for at least seven seasons in Cincinnati. Uh Herbert and Tua, I think that that's more what this question is about who is who's gonna be more successful. I don't know. Um I'm I'm still not high on Tua. I don't think he was that good of a quarterback. I've explained last, I explained during last season why I didn't think he was a very good quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go with Justin Herbert here because of the initial team he has around him. And I also like Anthony Lynn as a head coach. Lot. You know what this sounds like to me? What? Dollar bet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right, Taylor. 
it is Taylor's time. Taylor is going to now dive in oh. to the CBA deal. Uh, so you're going to break it down for us the best you can. And I may or may not ask you questions. It really depends because uh, I don't know how long you're going to talk about the CBA deal. So Taylor, right. so it's, this is, it's your uh, show now. Take this, it is, this is uh, lecture time. Uh, if you guys remember back to school with uh, your teacher just kind of droning on in front of the classroom, that's more or less this. Hopefully, Angelo can throw in some nice spicy questions to help out. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, I'm going to uh, take notes. <laughs> otherwise, you know, this might take uh, 10 to 15 minutes. So if you guys need to skip along in the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the new CBA is going to last through uh, 2030. Um, so it, it ends at like the end of the 2030 uh, season. Uh, approving this uh, amongst the players was a very tight vote. 1,019 said yes, 959 said no. Oh, 959? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So it, it was a difference of 60 votes. Um, so let's talk about what this narrow margin uh, changes here. Uh, so first of all, uh, the players are going to get more money. Uh, that's part of what helped incentivize them to vote yes. Uh, so for starters, uh, their revenue share uh, is going from 47 to 48%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but the projected revenue of the NFL next season is going to be $150 million, and that increases every year. 1% of that's $1.5 million, which spread amongst the players isn't like a crazy amount of money, but it's still, you know, half of my year's salary. So <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then that could increase further based on TV deals. Uh, so part of this is that the league uh, has the opportunity to go to 17 games, which we'll kind of get to a bit later. Uh, but if they do that, um, then there's going to be a media kicker. Um, there's a lot of like complexities on how this works and stuff. But basically, uh, depending on how TV deals and stuff work with the 17 game, their revenue share could go up to 48.8%, which is basically double what it started. the increase started after this. Um, they're also getting, the players are getting 70% of the incremental revenue from the Los Angeles stadium project. So basically, uh, they have a projected revenue that the stadium is going to generate any revenue above that amount. 70% of that goes to the players is -hmm. what that means. Um, in the short term, that's not going to be a lot of money, but over, you know, a decade or two, that's going to add up. Uh, speaking of adding up a share of all gambling that takes place in NFL stadiums, even if the gambling is not for NFL football is going to the players. I don't have the number here. It wasn't shared exactly what the share is going to be, but any gambling that takes place in NFL stadiums is shared. Uh, the profits are shared with the players. (laughs) Wow. Uh, also league minimum salaries are increasing. So the current minimum salary for a player with less than one year of experience is $510,000. That's going up to $610,000 this year. And then it's going to keep increasing through this uh, so that in 2030, the league minimum salary for a player with less than one year experience will be uh, just under $1.1 million. Taylor, I have a question about that. Oh. Why? Why what? 
why why is it really important for these you know for these one you know these rookies pretty much coming in or these guys that don't have as much experience why is it really important for them to increase by that much and um, why why would why would players be okay with or why would teams be okay with this because you're going to be in the situation where now you're paying these guys more for not playing okay so Basically, these are the figures that I gave uh, because they're the most easy, simple figures to work with. Uh, they're yeah. for players with less than one year experience. But uh, there are different league minimum values depending on how long you've played in the league. It scales up with how much time you've been in. And all, right. all of them are increasing, uh, not just for the less than one year bracket. I just used those numbers to kind of display how much they're increasing. So uh, essentially, you got to go with the flow. Right. And so yeah, okay. basically the reason why players are okay with this is because uh, so 65% of like players on rosters in the NFL play for league minimum. Yeah. Um, and the reason why teams are okay with this is because, well, first of all, it was like team owners that structured this. And this is just kind of something that they're throwing in to help get the CBA to go through. Uh, and they can afford it financially and like the salary cap increases every year to kind of go along with this. So it's not going to affect, affect the salary caps negatively. Okay. So that basically they're increasing the minimum wage in order to get the CBA to pass. That's fair. And I also think that it is worth knowing that the average NFL career is only three and a half years. Mm-hmm. So what pretty much this means that these guys are going to get anywhere between $300,000 to maybe a little bit more if they, if they, you know, practice squad for three years. So, yeah. All right, continue. Okay, so I mentioned earlier, part of the CBA is that there's going to be an option for the league to expand to a 17-game season. Uh, There's a lot of details that would have to be worked out before this can go through. It's definitely not going to happen this season. That's a guarantee. The earliest it'll happen is the 2021 season. Uh, But so basically, uh, contracts... Uh, will have to become basically more expensive. They're playing an extra game. They'll they'll make more money. Um, so first of all, this will increase salary caps to accommodate for increased contracts. Uh, but basically, if a player is under a contract, when the extension happens, uh, they will receive an additional one seventeenth of their contract value, assuming that you know they play the entire time. So if they play all seventeen games. And they were supposed to make seventeen million that year. They now get eighteen million because they get another one seventeenth. Is the the easy math behind that? <laughs> great job! Sure. You're, do, you're doing a great job, Taylor. Cool. Okay. Um, another big change, which should help players get some better contracts. Uh, there's a thing that has been in the NFL for basically forever called the fully funded rule. And what this means is, uh, for guaranteed money. Uh, teams like Kirk Cousins was guaranteed $84 million. (laughs) The team has to set all of that money aside. Uh, Basically, it's from back when there used to be concerns about teams being able to pay players. Like, oh yeah, I'll definitely pay you $10 million and the team goes defunct and can't pay them. So in order to guarantee a player money, they had to have the full amount of the guarantee set in a, a separate account with a $2 million deductible. So if it was $84 million guaranteed like Kirk Cousins, they had to put $82 million in an account specifically to pay Kirk Cousins. 
that deductible is increasing from $2 million to $15 million. That is a big increase. And then uh, in 2029 and 2030, it'll be a $17 million deductible. So basically what this means is uh, it's going to be easier for players to get guaranteed contracts or guaranteed money in their contracts because teams don't have to have as much of it set aside. If a, te- if a player only wants $15 million guaranteed, then the team doesn't have to set aside any of that money. Right. So uh, Fascinating. Also good for the players. Yeah. Uh, another change to the CBA is that the game day roster is increasing from 46 to 48 uh, with the condition that one of those two has to be an offensive lineman. Yes. Um, which, I so, find, which I find pretty interesting because really I think I think that's going to translate into you into teams having to actually pay their six offensive linemen a pretty decent salary. Right. So basically, uh, on top of possibly increasing other salaries, like for the sixth offensive lineman, uh, this is just creating more like higher paying jobs in the NFL because they're just adding, you know, basically two more people to right. that, that are getting paid like weekly uh, paychecks. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going along with kind of increasing jobs and stuff. Uh, practice squads are increasing from 10 players to 12. And then in 2022, it's increasing to 14 players. And then uh, minimum salary for practice squad players is increasing from 8,000 per week to 11.5,000 plus 401k and tuition reimbursement benefits. So that's actually probably my favorite part about this whole CBA deal is pretty much what you just explained about the practice squad guys. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. Uh, there's actually more practice squad stuff too. Great. So now uh, two pra- uh, two practice squad members per week can be elevated to the main roster, uh, which effectively increases roster size from 53 to 55. And additionally, a player can be moved from the squad to the main roster and then back to the practice squad twice in a season without having to clear waivers. Oh, wow. That's actually pretty big. Yeah. That's actually really huge for teams. Huh. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, so that's kind of it for practice squad. Moving on to some like draft pick stuff. So second round draft picks will now be eligible for a proven performance escalator, uh, which was formerly just for third through seventh rounders. And so basically if they play, uh, a certain number of snaps in their first three years, uh, like a certain percentage, then their fourth year salary increases. Hmm. That's pretty interesting. So basically now, it's like if you draft someone now for in the third through, or second through uh, seventh round instead of third through seventh, you have to pay them more in their last year if you actually used them in the first three. Right. So my question is for that is I'm wondering why wouldn't you just tack on – a fifth year option for second rounders. Um, you know, I, I know that's not in your it, notes per se, but if you're, if you're, you know, but, I feel like it'd be better for these players to say, instead of as a second round pick, instead of, you know, instead of paying me more in my fourth year, mm-hmm. give me the option to get a fifth year out of this to where you'll have to pay me a certain average. I think so, that would end up equating for more money for them. I think there's two reasons for this. First of all, um, Fifth-year options actually tend to be worse for the player. Okay. It means that you're not getting a new, bigger contract, typically. That's true. And then also, they, uh, which I'm going to get to soon, made some changes to fifth-year options, and it might have just been too difficult to lay that out for you know all of the second-rounders, too, because you'd have to change it. Some of these fifth-year option changes are actually huge. 
Fair enough. Continue. Uh, before I get to the fifth-year option, uh, players outside of the first round are now eligible for Pro Bowl escalators. So if someone picked outside of the first round is still in their rookie contract, but they make the Pro Bowl, they get paid more money, which is fair. That's awesome. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Um. Okay, so fifth-year options. <laughs> There's no longer a difference between a fifth-year option for a top 10 pick and an 11th through 32nd pick. Okay. If you're drafted in the first round, your your fifth year option is the same. Uh, so now they are entirely performance based, and the fifth year option amount based on performance can be as high as the franchise tag numbers for that position. Whoa! Now that number would be argued with the agent, correct? Uh, I believe the NFL has set guidelines as to what those uh, performance oh, okay. is, like dictate. Okay, okay, okay. That's that, that makes more sense. Um, and then, so the way that it currently works and will continue to work, uh, if you want a player's fifth-year option, you have to pick that up before the start of their fourth season. Right? So that's how it's, it has worked, and that's how it's going to continue to work. Um, but the change here is that first-round pick fifth-year options are now fully guaranteed. They were formerly only injury guarantees, but now if you pick up their option, you have to pay them the money. Okay. All of it. Every every penny. Okay, and now uh, that's most of the big changes. We've got a couple smaller ones. Uh, players are now paid over the course of 34 weeks instead of 17. Um, okay. They used to like, so get paid... They get paid once per week of the NFL. Um, obviously, like postseason paychecks are separate and stuff. Right. Um, which this new deal also comes with increases in offseason, preseason, and postseason pay, increased performance pay, and increased benefits for current and former players. All right. Um, I like it. There's also a new veteran salary benefit. Ooh. So, um,. For up to two players per year, if you're signing, like, a veteran player, like, a player who's played for your team specifically in the past, um, up to two of them per year, up to $1.25 million of that contract doesn't count against your salary cap. So, basically, as long as you're re-signing players, uh, you can save up to $2.5 million off your salary cap every year. <laughs> so, I, I know that... Okay, Juan, first of all, Taylor... Are you, do you have any more for us? Oh, yeah, there's more. <laughs> okay. Well, first, I kind of want to jump in and say that I know that all these little numbers seem maybe arbitrary for people who are listening, but if you got, if you think of it like this, imagine your team has a certain amount of cap space, okay? And imagine they're trying to get Jadeveon Clowney, for example, and that guy thinks he's worth $20 million. You know, looking at this new deal, your team can start saving some money in certain areas or pinching pennies in certain areas where – Maybe down the line you get that playmaker because, you know, maybe your team was just missing out on a few million dollars in cap space. So I know that I just kind of wanted to say it because I feel like some of these numbers might seem arbitrary. But really, in the long scheme of things, which is kind of what we've talked about a couple times, a uh, pretty big deal. Right. Plus, uh, to, to put it in kind of another way, a less flashy way, if you're saving $2.5 million in cap space a year uh, with the current – uh, league minimum, you can basically get four more players to add to your roster as, like, backups and stuff. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. All right, continue, okay. Taylor. So now we've got to talk about drugs. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so the CBA has eliminated suspensions for marijuana, limited marijuana testing to the first two weeks of camp, and raised the threshold for positive tests from 35 to 150 nanograms of THC. And basically, the point of this is to focus on clinical care instead of punishment for marijuana usage specifically, not other drugs or PEDs. Yeah. And actually, um, the, inc- the increase from 35 to 155 is actually pretty big. Yeah, um, it, that, that's a big number. And basically, you know, they just want to get players help if they need it. They've decided kind of how a lot of the country is doing that a little bit of marijuana it's their choice, but if they determine that they have a problem with it, they just want to get them help rather than ruining their yeah. career. And a, a really good example at looking at how marijuana can affect the players, everyone, is is looking at Darren Waller and his story that tied in for the Oakland Raiders. Uh, he's you, you can read up on him. He's got a very interesting story about the league's marijuana policy and pretty much the journey he had in the last few seasons. But mm-hmm. go ahead, Taylor. Okay, so some more drug stuff. Uh, Performance-enhancing drugs. Uh oh. Um. So now, uh, your first failed test for stimulants is a two-game suspension, and your second is five. Uh, they didn't lay out beyond that, probably because uh, I think they're like it's like a three-strike policy that's existed before, I believe. Yeah. Um, I think you have to go into specific arbitration with like the commissioner after three. Um. But so it's a two-game suspension, then five for stimulants and for anabolic steroids. Uh, the first failed test is a six-game suspension, and the second is a 17-game suspension. Oh, my goodness. And now, uh, I have this in quotes because this is spe- the specific wording. Manipulation and or substitution and use of a prohibited substance is an automatic eight-game suspension. Ooh. They've also increased the penalty for receiving a DUI to a three-game suspension. What was it before? Uh, I believe it was an automatic one to two, and now it's wow. a guaranteed three. Is there anything in there about uh, relation to any domestic violence situations? No. Mm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, they wanted the players to pass this, I guess. <laughs> oh my gosh! This is uh, a family-friendly podcast. <laughs> uh, Suspended players may now be permitted at team facility during the second half of su- the suspension period. Also, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, it I kind not... of I kind of agree with that. I, I think that's yeah. actually a really smart. I move. think that's fine. Like they're, yeah. they're still suspended, but they can kind of start getting back into it. Yeah. If, if you can't like interact with the team at all for your eight game suspension, like when you come back, you know you're not going to be at a hundred percent for like game nine. So it's yeah. kind of like longer than an eight game suspension. I think it's fine. Yeah. Um, so only two more bullet points left here. Whew, okay. Um, so they've made some changes affecting holdout. Oh, yes. I've been waiting to hear about this. Please entertain me. Okay, so a player uh, who is under a contract that they signed as a veteran. So basically this does not apply to rookies under their first contract. Okay. But if you've been in the league and you're now signing a second contract, this applies to you. Okay. If you if they refa- if they fail to report to their club's preseason camp or reports and leaves for more than five days, they cannot have their fines waived by the team upon return. And then this is the big one: they do not earn an accrued season for that season, even if they play the whole season. So, what an accrued Ooh. season is for those of you at home. If we talk, if you remember when we talked about like um, 
you know, league, uh, like minimum wages types of things and stuff. Uh, you know, it's based on how many years you're in the league. Uh, so if you've played for five years, you have a different league minimum than someone who's played for three. But now if you hold out as a veteran, you go from five seasons to five seasons instead of going up to six. That is, that's actually crazy. But again, so this doesn't affect players who are on their rookie contracts. So like Ezekiel Elliott last season would not have been affected or Dak Prescott this year. But someone like Le'Veon Bell would have been. Correct. Yeah. Um, and then the final point, finally there. Wow. Uh, we, we made it. They have expanded the playoff format to allow uh, one more team per conference into the playoffs. Which we are not talking about in length yet today. I'm just going <laughs> to, just like a tiny little bit here. Just okay. a brief overview. So okay. now instead of six teams per conference going to the playoffs, it's seven teams. And instead of two teams getting a bye, it's one. So we'll give our opinions on this in a later episode, but that's what you need to know about the expanded playoff format. And that's everything you need to know about the league's new CBA, which will be in in effect again until 2030. Well, Taylor, I got to say, you did a literally an amazing job. I just I want did everyone, a job. I, I want to tell everyone, I told Taylor about what maybe four nights ago, I said, hey, how do you, I said, what I said, what do you know about the CBA deal? And he said, not much. I said, will you learn all about it? <laughs> and I think that uh, between your work schedule and everything like that and getting things set up for the podcast, Taylor, great job on giving us a rundown of the new CBA deal. Uh, leave us questions. Um, if you can call, you know, comment on our YouTube and leave, you know ask us questions about the CBA deal if you have further questions. Yeah, tweet at us is a good one, too. We have a Twitter account. Yeah, um, uh, Taylor will answer all those questions for you, obviously. Okay, so that was some cool talk about the CBA. But much more importantly, yes, we Let's need to do... talk about new uniforms. Yeah, we're going to the official review. So essentially what happened, everybody, is uh, during the pandemic, uh, everyone got bored. And so seven teams decided they were going to redo their uniforms. Yeah. So uh, we have Tampa Bay, New England, Atlanta, the L.A. Chargers, the L.A. Rams, the Indianapolis Colts, and the Cleveland Browns all decided they wanted to look different this year. Mm-hmm. Different maybe is a interesting word for about half these teams. Yep. But uh, so essentially we're going we're gonna to briefly discuss these new uniforms and we're going to rank them because that's the official review. Now, uh, the Rams, I think, are just going to go on the bottom because at the moment of this podcast, uh, they have not released their uniforms yet. They have released the logo, which, uh, okay. Let's just get this out of the way. It's awful. Yeah. But, I've never uh, seen a single person who likes it. <laughs> uh, also, if you, if you follow our Twitter, there was a very funny tweet about the new Rams logo, but uh, you wouldn't know that if you didn't follow the Twitter. Um, <laughs> but essentially, yeah, the Rams are at the bottom, so whatever. Okay, so Taylor, or you know, you've talked a lot. Let me talk about mine. Okay, so okay. I am a huge fan of going back to the retro jerseys and touching them up a little bit. And so, with that said, my my top three jerseys are a combination of Tampa Bay, Cleveland and the LA Chargers. I don't know which one's first and yes, I just cheated. So, if you're going to ma- if you're going to make me commit, then I suppose it's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Chargers and the Cleveland Browns. I like the return to these types of styles, okay? I, I like what it looks like. With that being said, I actually then put the 
uh, New England Patriots. They're at, uh, at the next spot, at the fourth spot. I think that their throwback, uh, but yet the newish kind of feel to it is really nice. Um, I actually have the Indianapolis Colts at fifth because uh, I think that their slight changes are actually pretty nice. I know people the the ignorance of people on social media is really bothersome sometimes because people are commenting the Colts didn't even change their jersey. Actually, they did. They changed it. The numbers look completely different if you look at them, and I they think did. they look a lot nicer. I think they fit the style of the Colt very well, and that's coming from a non-Colts fan. Mm-hmm. And then on my list last, you know, we're not counting the Rams. I'm putting the Falcons, and let me tell you why I'm putting the Falcons. First of all, I hate the ATL logo. Um, I don't like the ATL logo even on like the 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 Hawks and the NBA. Um, I don't like the ATL for the Major League Rugby. I don't like that on jerseys. I also hate, despise, loathe every other synonym you can think of. The fade from black to red or red to black or whichever one it is. It looks like a very crappy XFL jersey, and I think it should be thrown away immediately. Uh, I hope they never wear those alternates, even though I know they're going to wear those alternates. But I think they look horrible, and they make they they look like if the NFL was in a movie about a different football league. Okay. <laughs> and um, that's my ranking of the jerseys. So I haven't put all of these in like an order. Uh, I'm just going to kind of talk about uh, each of them individually. Okay. Uh, if I had to pick a favorite, I think it's the Chargers. Uh, all three of their new their new styles of uniform are vibrant. They're colorful. They have a sick bolt on the pants. Yes. They're great. Okay, so um, I'm going to start the, with... After the helmets that, are also return. The helmets for the Chargers are a great return to what they used to be. But go ahead, sorry. So I'm going to... After the Chargers, which are my number one, I don't really have an order, so I'm just going to talk about them. Uh, so New England, their new uniforms are honestly just not that different, not that special. They kind of added some uh, shoulder stripes, which are kind of cool. I like them. Um, there's nothing wrong with the new New England uniforms. They're just meh. Uh, kind of same thing with the Browns. They went for a more historic look. Uh, they're inoffensive. They're fine. Uh, I don't dislike them. <laughs> inoffensive. <laughs> um, the Buccaneers. Uh, so they have, you know, their, their red at home jerseys, uh, which I like a lot less than what they had last year, last year. They have their white away jerseys, which are fine. And then their alt jerseys are this pewter, which I actually think is really good. Yeah. Um, but the regular at home and away jerseys I think are just fine. Um the Colts, uh you talked about their number sister their their new numbering being significantly different, which is true. Um the problem that I have, uh so like they went for like it's supposed to be a more historic numbering, but basically it's just the comic sans of NFL jerseys. I think it looks <laughs> stupid. I hate it. I'm not going to buy a jersey with that numbering system on it. You just said that it is the comic sans of the NFL. It's gaudy and disgusting. You just said it is the comic sans of the NFL. Those are my words quoted on Twitter. Um, Oh my gosh. We, we We have to. So that leaves us with the Falcons jerseys to talk about. Okay, so... Their new home jerseys are basically all black, which I guess is kind of cool. I don't like the color red, but I associate the color red with the Falcons, so I don't know why they went for all black. Um, (laughs) 
And then well, they're all they're their original their original scheming was pretty much all black with red outlining, so I kind of get that. I, I get it. I whatever. Just don't get it. Yeah, and then uh, their alt jerseys with the gradient uh, is my pick for best single new jersey. So, oh my gosh! <laughs> uh, oh my goodness! Have, we just have completely opposite opinions on. I hate them more than anything. I'm so mad that you like them. You know, obviously we are uh, an audio-only podcast, but if you guys saw how Angelo dressed, you'd agree with me more. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, that's that's the new team jerseys. Uh, Moving on. All right, moving on. Uh, our last thing before we wrap up here, we're gonna we're going to uh, talk about our three favorite free agency moves uh, this off season. I've got mine right here, Taylor. If you want me to go first, uh, so I've got mine right here, and by mine I mean I have my top six. I'm gonna go first, so because Taylor can't follow the rules now. Uh, so these are in no particular order, but these are my three picks for uh my my personal favorite you know i have i have four i lied i also i also cheated but i'm going still i have four of my favorite offseason moves first darius slay to the eagles i'm a huge darius slay fan okay and darius slay wanted out of detroit he got out of detroit and he went to a what i think is a good developing defense uh, or With, second. Uh, a great wide receiver core on the other side of the ball so i think darius slay went to a division where he will still remain as the top uh, secondary player. Mm-hmm. I think I think he already was in, in the NFC North, and he went to the NFC East, where he will continue to be the best defender uh, in, the, in the secondary in that division. I am also a huge David Johnson fan, and I love this mood for David Johnson because he needs a fresh start, okay? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you said I cheated. That wasn't a free agency move he got traded. Oh, that's right. That's Which a, is well, why, but, okay. Okay, hold on, hold on. But it's a move in the off season. No, nope, that's not that's not what you said. I Guess didn't what? put the Buckner on here because he got traded. <laughs> well, I'm changing it up. So it's also talking about off season moves <laughs> in general. That's what this list is about. Oh so I also like David Johnson going to the Texans because I think this is the fresh start he needs, and I'm jealous of the Texans for getting him. I also like here's another trade for you, Taylor. Stefan Diggs going to the Bills. Yeah. Uh, Stefan Diggs wanted out of Minnesota. He got out of Minnesota and Josh Allen should just be so thankful that Kirk Cousins didn't throw the ball to Stefan Diggs mm-hmm. because, uh, and also Adam Thielen should be thanking him too. Cause Adam Thielen is going to have an even better year. I think than he typically has. And then my fourth pick, which is an actual free agency move, of course, is my man, Marcus Mariota going over to John Gruden. John Gruden loves Marcus Mariota. He's going over to a good system, I think. And I think he's going over to a place where potentially he might have a chance to shine later on in the season. So I miss you, Marcus. Good luck, buddy. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, for mine, like I said, I have six written down here. I'm going to narrow it down to three for you guys uh, to follow the rules. And going along with following the rules, these are all free agency moves, which is what was set out for me. No chance. <laughs> um, so I tried to avoid a lot of the like more obvious high profile uh, stuff. Like, okay, I wrote down Tom Brady going to uh, Tampa Bay here, but I don't know if he's actually in my top three. But obviously, if you're talking about free agency moves this off season, you're talking about Tom Brady. Um, so as for what does it mean, like? favorite free agency move and that's kind of where i got caught up here 
So one of my three picks I don't actually like, but I think is super underrated and good. And that's Devin Funchess going to the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. I Maybe. We didn't get to see much out of him at Indianapolis because he got hurt week one. But I think he is just kind of what the Packers need as much as he was what the Colts needed. Like I said, he got hurt week one. That's not really on him. I would have liked to seen him get another chance in Indianapolis. But he's at Green Bay now, and that should honestly help. He's an in, a, a, Based on the last time we saw him two years ago, he's a solid end zone threat, which will help Aaron Rodgers a lot. Yeah. Okay. Um, another one, which is not in my top three, but I mentioned here, Greg Zerline is now a Dallas Cowboy. Yes, he is. They didn't cut Kai Forbath yet, as far as I know, but Greg Zerline's a Dallas Cowboy. So <laughs> That's I, a statement. What are they doing? I don't know. Um, so not not in the top three, because they still have Kai Forbath, um, which leaves me with three picks, uh, three left listed here to slot into two spots. So two of them are running backs, and I'm going to narrow it down to one. And uh, the first one is Melvin Gordon going to the Denver Broncos. Mm, okay. I actually like that. I think it is a big deal. I think he's really going to help the team a lot. Uh, I know Philip Lindsay's not happy about it, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the running back that I chose over Melvin Gordon is not David Johnson because he got traded. It's Todd Gurley. <laughs> Todd Gurley. Also, I just I just want to point out, David Johnson, Melvin Gordon, Todd Gurley, all the same draft class. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Anyway, two of continue. Them were free agents this year. Yep. Uh, but so Todd Gurley actually wasn't a free agent. He got cut at a huge cap loss. Yeah. Uh, which made him a free agent and let the Falcons pick him up after dropping Devonta Freeman. Um honestly, the the price that they're getting Gurley for on a one-year deal, if he doesn't work, they're not out much. So I super love the pick here. I think yeah. he's either going to be great or whatever, he's gone next year. So that's my that's my second pick. And my final pick for free agent pickups, Jameis Winston to the New Orleans Saints. Oh my goodness, you would do this. They are paying you would him... Do this. We're cutting this. They're paying him a million dollars. One. <laughs> One million dollars. How is that not worth it? He threw for fifty four hundred yards last year. Yeah, thirty picks. But if anybody can sort them out, it's Sean Payton and Drew Brees. And, uh, yeah, and now he's underneath the guy, the other guy that likes to throw over five thousand yards often. So it's. <laughs> and he got the eye surgery. I don't think that was his problem, but maybe it was. What if he's good now? Well, it's good to end on a uh, laughing note. Uh, I appreciate your jokes, Taylor. As a Colts fan, I'd be cool with them giving Jameis Winston a million dollars. <laughs> All right, everybody. <laughs> Sorry, that's so funny. All right, everyone. So that there is our episode. Can comic Sans. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there is our episode. We're muting Taylor. There is our episode on. Uh, pretty much some of the bigger stories, some some highlights and stuff like that, and the CBA deal. So essentially what you need to be looking for now is our upcoming episodes on all the divisions, which are going to be great episodes written by yours truly. And probably not 90 minutes like this one. Yeah, they'll probably be about 120 minutes. 
Um, That's two hours. <laughs> I know. Uh, now, remember, though, uh, Twitter is going to be the main thing you're going to want to follow. You're going to want to tell people about our Twitter account because we're active on that Twitter account. It's at G-G-O-A-L-L-I-N-E-S. You can look at the Gridirons and Goal Lines football podcast there on Twitter. You also are going to be able to find us on YouTube going forward and on many other platforms such as Spotify. We would love for you to li- listen to us on Spotify, uh, on iTunes. Make sure you rate five stars and leave comments and things like that maybe we can read some of your comments if you leave comments on youtube as well we'd love to read some of your tweets as well so like comment subscribe on anywhere message us follow us communicate with us is what we're asking you to do because we want to talk to you guys because we want to make sure that we're giving you the content that you're looking for like i said at the beginning of this episode as of right now we don't know every single platform that we'll be on we should know that by the start of the next episode but wherever you find this episode we should be on moving forward so feel free to you know, follow or subscribe to us on whatever that platform may be. Yeah, pretty much. And and just communicate with us. That's what we want because we want to make sure we're doing everything for you guys. So thank you everyone for listening. We've missed you all. We miss sports and we cannot wait to get to this upcoming NFL season. And we'll talk to you soon heading into the division reviews. All right. Bye. Bye.